BakerBots LLP provides podcasts for educational purposes only. They are not legal advice. This communication may constitute attorney advertising. Welcome to the Environmental Evolutions Podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of environmental law and policy. I'm your host, Megan Birch, coming to you from Houston, Texas this time. In today's episode, we are going to explore a topic that is near and dear to my heart, carbon offsets. What are they? What makes a high quality offset? And what is the process for originating them? I'm excited to welcome Lauren Michak, Director of Program Development at Climco to the show today. Climco, for anyone who isn't familiar, is a consulting group and project developer that helps companies originate offsets. And I'm talking soup to nuts, or I guess here, project development through emission certifications and even beyond to operations, as well as with myriad other environmental instruments and with ESG advisory services. So Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Megan. I'm really excited to be here. Well, why don't we get started with a level set? What is a carbon offset? That's an awesome question. So a carbon offset uh, at the base represents one ton of CO2 equivalent or CO2E that's either been avoided um, being emitted in one location or it's being sequestered. Um, So in layman's terms, that means you're either setting up a project where you're making a change. So a company, a facility that has no reason to reduce their emissions are incentivized to do so through carbon finance or you're doing a project that'll actually suck the emissions out of the atmosphere. And today that's primarily reforestation, tree planting, and um, starting to go into things like direct air capture. So basically a unit, one ton of CO2E. That was a great explanation. But who are the key players in the development of offsets? Yeah, that's another good question. So Almost anyone can say that they're reducing a ton of CO2, but for it to actually be a product that you can sell in the market that people are going to want to purchase, you need to go through um, some pretty standard procedures and work with recognized players. So the first really important player is the carbon offset registry. So some people may have heard of groups called Vera with the verified carbon um, registry. Climate Action Reserve, Gold Standard, American Carbon Registry. These are the groups that really set the rules and at the end of the day are the ones that serialize and issue the offsets and ultimately lend credibility. So for a buyer to want those offsets, they typically come through some of these major registries. They set the rules and they're also the ones that drive value because a buyer is typically aware of these registries and might specifically request, I need it to come from here. So those are the players that set the rules that we followed that um, ultimately result in the issuance of of credible carbon offsets. Lauren, that's a really interesting point that you raise because here the person who's setting the rules of the road is actually um, a carbon registry or a private entity versus when we think about traditional environmental compliance programs, it's set by a government entity like EPA in the Clean Air Act for the Acid Rain Program and issuing allowances, or for many people, what they're familiar with today in California with the Cap and Trade Program. Yeah, and and they are somewhat related to those programs. A lot of them ultimately end up working with, for example, the California Air Resources Board to set their rules. But it is um, sort of a unique scenario, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. I think I alluded to earlier, you, you can make an offset, but 
the credibility is really driven by buyer preference at the end of the day. So buyers trust these registries and it is um, sort of a unique market because it, it is not regulated, at, at least at this moment. That's such a tactful way to put it. I always call it the Wild West. <laughs> I was trying to avoid saying Wild West because I do think there's some really well-established standards that we trust a lot, but there's also a lot of new things popping up and some of them are good, some of them are bad. So I, I know it's probably pretty difficult for people new to the space to know how to sort through all of that. Well, there you go, Lauren. You didn't call it the Wild West. <laughs> I called it the Wild West. All right, well, let's keep rolling. Who else is a key player here? Mm-hmm. So... You know, it's not just the registry that makes the final decision over whether a carbon offset is good or bad or not. There's also a third party verifier. So you may have heard of verification bodies. They come in and essentially confirm that you followed all of the rules set by the registry during the project development process. And these are third parties that are trained and certified by the registry to do that work. Um, but we have to go through a process to avoid things like conflict of interest. And it's essentially an audit, right, to make sure that what we are doing is credible and follows the rules. So a second set of eyes that, um, again, really make sure that we are we are doing everything the correct and credible way. Lauren, you left out my favorite piece of advice that I give folks when they call me about originating offsets is that you have to have a good technical consultant. So it's very nice <laughs> that you didn't put yourself on the list, but I would, I'm going to go ahead and throw you on there. You also need Lauren. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yep. So one of the, the other players that are important in the market are the project developers. So Climco is a project developer. We've been generating and issuing offsets for, I think over 15 years now. And really understanding how to follow these rules, how to make sure the issuance process goes smoothly, um, can be a big challenge. And companies like Climco really understand this whole process and can make it go very smoothly with our clients. Um, and that's a very common business model that we have with our, our partners. They might have a really great idea to reduce the carbon offsets, and then they might not know how to get that credit actually issued or go through the process. And we can help them with that. And we look for long-term partnerships that end up being really mutually beneficial. Um, and then since we're talking about Climco, the final uh, player that I do want to plug is the seller of the offset, right? So you might have an offset, but not know where to go. The market is fairly opaque right now. There are some groups that uh, take carbon offsets, voluntary carbon offsets on exchanges, but a lot of the actual sales still happen bilaterally. So groups like Climco, as well as, you know, several others can also sell the offsets at a premium value to make sure that that offset has a good price, both for the people generating the offset, as well as making sure that they meet the needs of the group purchasing the offset. Fantastic. Okay. So now that we've got a level set of what offsets are, and we've talked about who are the key players, let's go to what makes a high quality carbon offset. Yeah, that's another really important piece. There's a couple principles that come up very commonly in the offset space. So the first is that you want it to be permanent. You can sequester a carbon, a ton of CO2E for a year, and there is some climate benefit to that. But ultimately, you want to make sure that it's out of the atmosphere long term. So if you think about a tree, if it gets harvested the next year, you might not have really done much. So you want to make sure for at least some period of time, ideally 100 years, though there are some flexibility around that 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 um, ton is truly sequestered. For industrial processes where you're actually destroying the ton, um, those are also really great because you don't have to worry about it ever again. That ton is gone from the atmosphere and will never come back. 
Um, the other topic that I think a lot of people sometimes struggle with is this topic called additionality. So it has to be above and beyond business as usual. You can't get an offset just for kind of doing what you're already doing anyway. It has to be some kind of change, some kind of difference in management that results in it. And that could mean I'm planting new trees in a location where really, truly, there would be no natural regeneration. Or it could be I'm installing a scrubber system on a facility that has no compliance obligation to do so. They're not going to make any money off it other than the carbon offsets. And they aren't anticipating any sort of regulation in the near future. So additionality can be tough to prove sometimes, but it is really important because, again, purchasing a carbon offsets theoretically allows someone else to emit another ton of CO2 elsewhere. So you really need to make sure that balance is tight. Yeah. And that's a really key issue that we hear a lot about today. And I don't think we're going to go off on too much of a tangent today, but making sure that that environmental benefit is only captured and taking credit for once um, is really important to avoid getting into the space of, you know, greenwashing and other areas where there's questions about whether or not truly an environmental benefit has occurred. For example, if you're counting it twice, but it only happened once, that's not a net benefit. <laughs> Even I can do that math as a lawyer. So exactly. All right. Well, thank you for that description. Let's talk through what is the process for originating an offset? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple ways you can start, but let's just say somebody has an idea. They think it's a good idea. Um, typically, what we like to see happen is they would come to a group like Climco and create what we call as a feasibility assessment. So just taking a first look at, will this project meet the sort of basic principles I outlined of additionality, permanence, a few other things? How much of an impact might this project actually have? You need to have pretty large scale in many instances for it to make sense to generate offsets. Um, and then also sort of a cost benefit analysis is what you're going to do actually going to produce enough carbon finance to incentivize the project. That's actually an incredibly important point that you just made about scale mm -hmm. and whether or not there's going to be sufficient financial return. So I imagine that getting that benefit, getting that balance right up front has to be key. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, it can be hard just with an idea to know whether or not the funds from the offsets over time are actually going to justify the project, especially if you're making a significant investment. Sometimes you have to make a capital investment to install equipment. Um, sometimes you even have to purchase land to do the project. So just knowing what that value will be over time can be a major barrier for people to entry. Let's say you get through that hurdle. Where are we going next? So next is, is there even a pathway to do this? So I mentioned earlier that there's these registry systems. They set the rules. So there's broad rules that affect every single project. And then there's also these documents called carbon offset methodologies or protocols. And they very narrowly and specifically define the rules to generate an offset. There are many, many methodologies, but not infinite numbers of methodologies. So unfortunately, it's pretty common that the idea that you have may not have a methodology yet. So an example might be if you want to do some sort of innovative recycling that would reduce process emissions from generating a virgin product. If there's not a methodology that's actually narrowly defined for that product that you are considering, there may not be a pathway to generate offsets, at least today. So 
in that instance, you can write a methodology, uh, which is also something Climco does, but it, it is a, a fairly long-term process. It happens publicly and it also happens um, kind of according to, again, a lot of standards, a lot of rules and a lot of third parties going in to make sure that what we do is credible. Yeah. And Lauren, you know, this really goes to a conversation you and I had preparing for this podcast, which is because folks are really turning to ESG now and taking a very close look at their processes, I I find there's a lot of new ideas being brought forward on where emissions reductions can occur and how they can occur and interest in monetizing them, basically getting funding to do these things that may make sense if there is a financial backing. But this methodology issue that you just hit on can be a significant hurdle to really executing those projects. What kind of advice do you have for folks when they have that question? And I know you get calls like this too, where it's like, <laughs> I've got this idea. Can I, can I get offsets for X? Yeah. So I think be prepared to be patient um, because it, it will happen. It is possible, but you know, realistically it, it can take a year or more to happen. And I think sometimes that shocks people a little bit, but I think, you know, the best time to start was a year ago. And then the second best time to start is today. So yeah. understanding those timelines, being realistic about it um, and being willing to really kind of chive in on the technical aspect of it is really useful. Well, getting back to the process for originating offsets, mm -hmm. we've gone through two steps. What's our next step? So let's say you do have a methodology, right? Um, either you wrote one or we were able to identify one that fits your project. The next step is to get your project going, essentially. So whether it's making that change, that capital investment, planting those trees, go ahead and start doing it. There is a way to look back, right, and, and get credits kind of for projects even before you have all the paperwork together. So the actual project activity starts happening. And in the meantime, a project developer like Kleinco can help you sort through all the appropriate paperwork to get the project listed with the registry. So different groups have different rules, but in general, you do have to tell them that you're getting going and outline why the project that you are doing is going to meet the rules and eligibility requirements. That often is also third party audited. Once that happens, that project is listed, then you wait some period of time for the credits to accrue. So, you know, the trees have to grow, you're sequestering the carbon, whatever's happening, it typically has to wait around for, depending on the volumes, a year is a really common time frame. And then after a year, you submit again, all the documents saying that you followed all the rules, all the quantification, you might have, you know, continue emissions monitoring system data that you would send to the group and that gets audited again. Um, and then ultimately those credits get issued. So you have a credit and um, what are you going to do with it? There's, there's some options. You can use it yourself. You can retire it. But what most people want to do is you sell it. So groups like Climco can provide these sales services. We um, work with a lot of really large clients interested in carbon offset purchases. Now, once those credits are sold are how you get the value. And ultimately they'll be issued, you know, regularly over time. And hopefully that value that you're getting from the offsets is going to justify the cost of the, the project that you were ultimately um, planning on doing. Well, Lauren, basically my number one takeaway from that process is there's verification, more verification, and yet one more set of verification throughout this. And 
I have to imagine that as the Securities and Exchange Commission starts looking at its regulations related to climate disclosures, that that's only going to continue or increase or become even more important as in this process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's sometimes, you know, people might wonder why it has to happen so frequently. But again, it comes down to credibility. And since we're in a market right now where the credibility is driven by buyer demand and moving into a market, like you mentioned, Megan, where the credibility is going to have to be something that people can actually report on, it's going to be increasingly important. And we need to make sure that those verifiers continue to be well-trained and well-trusted. Well, you mentioned timelines, and I want to go back to that concept. What are the timelines that people need to be aware of? Mm -hmm. Yep. So I think for a good carbon offset project, you need to know that you can't rush it. The as, as we touched on earlier, there's a lot of checkpoints. And if you stumble at a checkpoint, that's okay, but it it'll slow things down and kind of potentially, you know, bite you later in, in the process. So we like to make sure that all the dominoes are very well set up before we move forward. So, you know, six months to maybe consider and set up a project, I think would be a pretty typical timeline. And then one to two years to get those credits actually issued um, and monetized. There are some cases where we will pre-sell those credits or have value to the, um, the partner prior to that point of sale. But um, that is a really big milestone is getting those first credits issued. Okay, Lauren, that is a great explanation of what folks are really looking at through this process. And we are winding down here, I promise, but there's no way I'm letting you off this podcast before I ask, what is one of the more inventive ideas you've heard lately that you went, darn, wish there was a way I could do this? I will tell you, I, I can't share those necessarily because some of them are ones that we want to move forward with. But I, I think the ones that I get really excited about are innovative technology and kind of projects that, that address really high emissivity sectors. So you think about our biggest emitters in the United States, industrial, even the oil and gas sector, there's some really neat stuff happening there. So I would say that those are the areas that get me really excited. Well. Fair enough. And this has been incredibly informative. I really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, last question before I let you go. What is the one piece of practical advice that you would give to companies interested in originating offsets? Well, I guess, can I say reach out to Climco? Because yeah, <laughs> you sure can. That's fair. That's usually what I say. <laughs> That's yeah. Fair. A lot of people try to go at it alone. And I think often they will end up circling back to a developer eventually just because it's, it is a complex process. There's a lot of documents. There's a lot of history to what has worked and what hasn't worked in the past. And the product will be a lot better. The process will be a lot quicker and efficient. And you'll get the outcome that you want if you're working with somebody with experience. So that's what I would say. Okay. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem, Megan. This has been a blast. Listeners, Lauren's contact information, as well as information on Kleinco, is available in today's episode notes. And with that, I'm Megan Birch. Thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for listening to this BakerBots podcast. For more information on BakerBots practices, please visit us at bakerbots.com. For over 180 years, through 13 offices in nine countries, BakerBots has the experience, knowledge, and people to solve our clients' most significant legal issues. 
This presentation is provided by BakerBots LLP for educational and informational purposes only. It is not legal advice. Under the rules of certain jurisdictions, this communication may constitute attorney advertising.